Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. Today on the rest of the story of one of my favorite people in Scripture, his name is Joseph. And I'm not talking about Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus. I'm talking about the Joseph of the Old Testament. I'm talking about the Joseph of the coat of many colors. I'm talking about the dreamer. I'm talking about the one that was sold into slavery by his brothers. I'm talking about the dream interpreter. I'm talking about the one that, that went to prison. That, I'm talking about the one that made it from the pit to the prison to the palace. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about Joseph. I'm talking about a man. But All of those things that he is known for. What I want to talk to you about and the rest of the story today is something that I believe sustained him through all the things that he had to go through in that great story of Joseph, and that was the, was his integrity. Somebody say integrity. Let me tell you something. If you ain't got integrity, you ain't got anything. Integrity is who you are when nobody's watching, when nobody's listening, when it's just you and the Lord. He knows the real integrity of you. Very few people in Scripture. You got David, a man after God's own heart. You got Moses. You got Adam. You got very famous people in Scripture that you can't say this about that that did not have one rebuke, that did not have one biblical record of a moral failure. Are you hearing me? Or an act of disobedience. Moses wasn't permitted to go into the promised land because he disobeyed God. We know what happened in the Garden of Eden. The man after God's own heart, David, committed adultery. With Bathsheba, I could go on and on and on. Samson, the great one, you know his story. All these great stories, of especially the Old Testament characters, they're the only ones. Uh, there's only two Bible persons in all of Scripture in the Old Testament that lived their life, and the things that were recorded of them were great and magnificent with no rebuke and no record of a moral failure. And that was Daniel and that was Joseph. These are the only two in all of the people that we have as main characters in Scripture that did not have a rebuke. And let me tell you something. It was one thing for Daniel. Daniel, of course, was in Babylon. Daniel was during the time of captivity. Daniel was known as Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel was known during the time of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel was at the time of Nebuchadnezzar. And it was a difficult life. But let me tell you something. I personally believe that no one in Scripture, second to Jesus, lived through the things and suffered through the things as Joseph, but yet with integrity and no rebuke from God and no moral failure. Are y'all hearing me? I'm telling you, would to God that we would have preachers again who lived right. How about some men and women of God who still believe in holiness? Oh, y'all ain't going to shout me down on that. If I shouted you down on you, get a new Mercedes. Or if I declared you'd get a new house, you'd shout me down. But how about this? How about we believe that something greater than a new house, something greater than a new car, is a, is a good name, is a good life that you, be, that you decided and became a good man and a good woman? How about, you, how about your legacy was not how big your house was, but how big your influence on your kids and your grandkids were? I'm preaching better than you shouting. Not one word of rebuke, not one word of, repute, of, of, of reproof from God's word to Joseph. You might be surprised that not only do we not have a rebuke or a reproof from Scripture, 
to Joseph in his life. It's, it would be one thing, you know, you would say, well, wait a minute now. Uh, you, know, there's, you know, there's certain characters. You might call out certain characters. I don't read anything bad about them. Many of them, their whole story summed up in four verses. What you may not realize of, that of Joseph, the story of Joseph is given more Scripture than Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob combined. Did you hear that? The, the words and the number of Scriptures are given to the story of Joseph more than Abraham, the father of faith. Huh? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the three that the nation of Israel is known of, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob who became Israel. There's more scripture given to Joseph than all three of those main characters combined. Joseph was born, to put it mildly, in a dysfunctional family. How many can relate? You know, I used to ask how many come from a dysfunctional family. It'd probably be easier for me to say, how many thinks you didn't come from a dysfunctional family? And there's always like one or two, and I'm just like, you must be the dysfunctional one. I need to ask the rest of your family. Because how many knows every family is dysfunctional? Can I get an amen? There's some kind of dysfunction in every family. How do we know that? Because Families are made up of humans, and humans are not perfect. He was born into a dysfunctional family. By the time we get to the story of, 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 Josh, uh, of, of Joseph, his mother Rachel is dead. His daddy Jacob is now an old man. You know, of course, we know he's not always been a godly man. He was a deceitful man until he wrestled with God. Jacob, by this time, had had two wives and two concubines. Four women of which had birthed and fathered the 12 sons who would now be known as the 12 tribes of Israel. They came from four different women. Now, and all of them, if you can imagine, four wives, two wives and two concubines, and kids from wives and concubines, all living under the same roof. You know that was smooth. Are y'all hearing me? That was so smooth. Nobody fought. No, nobody was jealous of each other. Please. Let's read the scripture of where the story really begins. And I want you to see something because remember we're talking about the rest of the story. How I many I told you the other day, the rest of the story, the rest of your story is Part of your story is, is tied to the story of someone who came before you, and the rest of your story after you're gone will carry on in those that you influence that are still here after you're gone. Because we've always said here at Le- a life of legacy is a life that outlives your life. Okay? I want you to hear the words here. It's very powerful. I've preached this story many times, but these three words, one, two, three, four, five, six, excuse me, six words, never jumped out of me until now. Look at Genesis chapter 1. It says, Genesis, excuse me, chapter 37, verse 1. Genesis chapter 37, verse 1. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. Number 2, verse 2. This is the history of Jacob. 
Now watch this. Anytime you ever see that, you then see, and -and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and and he lived to be so-and-so years, and then he begat three sons, and he lived and he died, right? Watch what happens. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock of his brothers. Before he lists anything else, right after this is the history of Joseph, Jacob, it says, Joseph, a 17-year-old boy. Let me tell you what, I, what I'm about to show you right now. The rest of the story of Jacob is Joseph. There is no Israel, the nation of Israel, without Joseph. Jacob, who became the name Israel, did not secure the protection of the people of Israel. It was his son, Joshua. It was his son, Joseph, that did it. I keep wanting to call him Joshua. It was his son, Joseph, that did it. Joseph, being 17 years old, watch, watch this, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad that was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. In other words, he caught them doing some stuff they shouldn't be doing. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children. You need to underline that word love because it's not what you think. It is loved. He did have a special place in his heart because of, of who, her, who Joseph's mother was. But it goes on to say because also he was the son of his old, of his old age. But that word loved really means it implies favor. He had more, he put more favor on him than the other sons. And we understand why when we understand his integrity. Are y'all hearing me? Now, also he made him a tunic. This is the new King James. Your King James would call it a coat. Same thing. A tunic of many colors. But when the brothers saw that their father loved him or showed him more favor than his other brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Oh, I'm going to preach a little bit right here. Y'all with me, church? Let me tell you something. When you got favor on you and you're just living a life of integrity and you ain't trying to rub it in people's faces, you're just living in favor, people don't know how to take you. And they don't know how to talk to you. They can't, they can't celebrate you because they're jealous of you. I'm telling you, when you got favor on you, you better know people, people that you've known all your life will say some things to you that will hurt you because they cannot talk peaceably to you because they cannot understand why God is doing what he's doing for you and he ain't doing it for them. Oh, I'm preaching better than you shout. Huh? Wait a minute. I know God's not the respecter of persons. I know he loves everyone the same. But his favor is not the same on everyone. Oh, I'm preaching good this morning. They hated him. They didn't just start hating him when they saw that coat. They had already hated him. The coat was a physical manifestation and a slap in their face is the way they took it. Of the hatred they already had before the coat. Come on. Thank you. Now, they could not, what's the word say? They could not make themselves speak peaceably to him. Now, Joseph had a dream. Mm. 
Let me tell you something. God will cause you to lay down and have a dream in the midst of persecution. When the whole world's turned on you, instead of saying, what am I going to do, God? Nobody loves me. Nobody wants to be around me. God will just say, just sit down and rest. I got you. I got you. I'm going to tell you something. In the midst of persecution, I'm about to give you a dream. Come on, y'all hear me. In the midst of everything, in the midst of a pandemic, I'm going to raise you up. I'm going to give you a voice when everybody else is shutting up. I'm going to open your mouth. I'm going to give you songs. I'm going to give you sermons. I'm going to give you favor when, when everybody else is shutting the doors down. I'm telling you, because of your integrity, because of your faithfulness, because of your ability to stay in the fire when others quit, I'm going to put a coat on you. That oh, that coat represents a mantle. That coat represents a covering. I'm going to cover something on you, and I'm going to reward your faithfulness. They hated him. Watch this. I love the word of God. They hated him, could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream. How awesome is that? Instead of lingering there, instead of just parking there and just talking how bad it was, Joseph just went out and just took a nap. He told it to his brothers, and it, they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream, which I have dreamed. Because how many knows, when you, got the, when, you, when you truly love God, your motivations are pure. You don't want people to think you think you're better than them. You want to bring them with you. He, he didn't really know everything was going on. He just knew he had had a vision and a dream from God. And he just thought, my God, if I, if I, I want to tell my brothers. I love my brothers. I want my brothers to know. But what he didn't realize is what the dream was saying to the brothers. It was rebuking the brothers. But Joseph's intentions were not to slap them in the face. It was just he was excited about what God was doing in his life. You, you, ever had, you ever went up to somebody just talking about how excited you were that God was doing something in your life, and they just looked at you and said, hmm, that's pretty good. Let me tell you what God's doing in my life. You ever been around them people? They cannot let you tell them what happened in your life. They got to make sure they tell you immediately what's happening in their life. Am I preaching right? So he said, please, please, brothers, I know you hate me. You can't speak peaceably to me, but please hear my dream. You'll probably like it. <laughs> Please hear this dream, which I have dreamed. There we were. Watch as he's described. I can just see him going, there we were. He's just dramatically describing this. There we were. We were binding the sheaves in the field, the wheat. Then behold, my sheaf arose, stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around. And in your sheaves, how cool is this, brothers? Bow down to my sheaf. Ain't this awesome? His brother said to, to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream. Somebody say he dreamed again. Oh, that's, 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 that's key. That's key. Then he dreamed again. He still, still another dream. And he told it to his brothers again. He said, I don't like that last one, but you're going to love this one. 
Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars that was around the sun and the moon bowed down to me. Ain't that cool? So then he said, this one's so awesome, I'm going to tell it to Daddy. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him. And said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and all your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? In other words, he knew immediately what the dream meant. The sun was him. The moon was his mama. Her, she's gone on, but was, was mama and the 11 stars were the 11 brothers. Does the sun and the moon and 11 stars bow down to this little baby star? Who do you think you are? This is the same man who favored his son more than any other. The same man who had just made a coat of many colors to represent his love and his favor on it. Let me tell you something. You better be careful. Even those that are speaking into your life can miss what God is doing. But you have to Still be loving and forgiving until God shows them. You don't throw away your father or your spiritual father just because they did not say or do exactly what you needed them to say or do at that moment. If you know the rest of the story, you know that everything that drove Joseph was still his brothers and his father. And his father eventually saw the meaning of this dream. Are y'all hearing me? Now, we do not know the correct description or the exact look of this tunic or coat of many colors. The translation here, following the Septuagint, means many colors. But another definition is a long robe with sleeves. An inscription from another Semitic language, Akkadian, suggests, quote, that it was an ornamental, ornamented tunic of colors that might be worn by someone of royalty. So instead of thinking of it as just a bunch of rags together, which of course it might have been, it was more than likely constructed in a way not to just show favor, but to show lineage. That is why the brothers got so mad and said, who are you? Are you going to reign over us? Are you going to have dominion over us? You are not the firstborn. There are many in line before you. And here you are wearing the colors of someone in the house of our father who you are being declared over our father will rule and reign over us. That is not lined up with the system. How many of those God don't always work with the system? How many of those God don't always work with the system? He can take an uneducated, not even a high school graduate, somebody that can barely even read, and he can use them to change the world. Do you know Smith Wigglesworth? You ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? He didn't even know how to read. He had no idea how to read. He got saved. He told God, I want to read your Bible. Nobody taught him. He opened up the Bible, started looking at the words, and God taught him how to read. And this man went on to change the world, raised the 
dead multiple times. I'm talking about people, some of them have been dead for two or three days. Went into a funeral home, grabbed the body out of a coffin and slammed him up against the wall and told him to come back to life. Three days he'd been dead, already embalmed. And many, many witnesses said the man came back to life. He brought his wife back from the dead when he was out preaching the gospel. She died while he was gone. He walked in the room where she had been dead for hours, touched her, told her, get up. She woke up. The first words that came out of her mouth was, I knew you was going to do this. She said, I knew you was going to do this. He said, well, baby, I'm sorry. I didn't get a chance to tell you bye. And they sit there and they talked. He prayed for her. He blessed her, laid her back down and said, go back to be with Jesus. I'll see you soon. This was a man who had no education whatsoever. Can I tell you something? God doesn't always work with the system. God spoke to the prophet and said, go, go to Jesse's house. I found a man after my own heart. He shall be anointed the king. Oh, is it this brother? Is it this brother? Is it this brother? He got hit. The system had him lined up in lineage. The system had, daddy had him lined up, had him dressed up, had him pruned up. He went, and, and the prophet, he said, okay, I'll go by the system. He went all the way down the system till the system ran out. He didn't understand it. He said, wait a minute. I've done it the way the system system works. I've, I've, I've stood before every one of your sons. This don't make sense to me. The system works. Is there anybody else? Because this don't make sense in the system. Well, there's one, but he don't ever play with the system. I told them all to come in here and get dressed because the prophet was coming, but he didn't want to have nothing to do with that religious principle. He couldn't leave his sheep. He cared more about the sheep than he did about the system. He said, bring them to me. And it brought David in, an old ruddy boy. And he said, hey, I've seen the one that God told me to come. Pour the oil on his head. David said, I appreciate it. It's awesome. I'll be glad to be king one day. But I, I ain't playing this game. Ain't nobody out there watching my sheep. I'll get, I got to get back to them. And we'll just see what God does. Woo! See, favor will mess you up. In the eyes of the system. Favor is better than money. Huh? Money can buy you a date. But it can't buy you a wife. Now, I guess it could buy you a wife, but not a true wife. I guess you get you one of them online wives, but that don't mean that committed flesh of your flesh. Sickness and in health, richer for poor. They with you if you're richer. They ain't gonna be there if you're poor. Hmm? Money can build you a house, but it can't build you a home. Oh, y'all ain't hear me. There's a difference in a house and a home. Favor will open doors that money can't open. And sometimes favor, and it don't make sense, but favor will close a door that you need closed. That money will cloud you and make you think you still need open. Sometimes favor, oh, you ain't going to like this. Sometimes favor will lay you off from your job or shut your factory down. And make you feel like you ain't got no means of providing for your family because that's the only way he could set you up for something better. Are y'all hearing me? Come on, are y'all hearing me? I'm telling you, because you wouldn't have never done it. 
You wouldn't have never done it. Did it, done it. I don't care. Favor. Somebody shout, favor. Favor. Little sweet. He was hated. He was envied by all his brothers. Because his father Jacob put favor on him. Now watch this. You got to get this. He dreamed a dream. And in that dream, the sheaves of wheat wheat were being gathered, tied up, bundled up, which was very familiar to them. That's what they did. They said, okay, we're with you. Until the others bowed down to him. They didn't like that. And then God caused him to dream again. I want to encourage you before I go any further to dream again. Some of you have had a dream but have lost that dream. But let me tell you something. If God gave you the dream, the dream is still alive. Huh? Just because you don't talk about it, just because you don't want to write about it, because you don't want to tell anybody about it, it's still in there. What you might need to do is get along with God and just rest in His presence and say, Lord, I need to dream again. Oh, yeah, come on, somebody. Listen, the first dream was trying to show him the future, but it was just him and his brothers. But when you dream again, if you allow God to let you dream again, you'll get more clarity. Because in the second dream, it wasn't just him and his brothers. It was his daddy too. In fact, the fact that his mama was there, even though she passed away, meant every single person in your household above you, alongside, parallel to you, and beneath you are going to benefit from this dream. And he knew it. He knew it. He knew it. Something clicked inside of him on that second dream. Because he loved his father more than life itself. And when his, if, if, you, if you were like, if he was like most typical people, he would have given up on that dream the day his father rebuked him. He, re, he received that rebuke. He was probably hurt. He was probably devastated. He was probably confused. But he did not give up on that dream. He did not allow the rebuke of even someone of authority in his life to cause him to lose his dream. But, but, here's the big one. You ain't going to like this one because y'all shot me down then because that's right. Ain't no preacher going to tell me what I can do in my life. God told me to do something I'm going to tell. I'm going to do what God told me to do. But he did not rebuke his father. Let me tell you something. There's something to be said about the integrity that's in you to submit yourself to a man or a woman in your life knowing what they have said to you might not even be accurate and might not even be what you needed at the moment. Can you submit to authority when they are not doing and saying what you need them to do and say but you know God sent you to them? Five people, rest of you still praying about it. We used to ask a question. Maybe we need to get back to this. When you went through ambassador's program, the first four or five years, we interviewed every single person before we, we didn't just do an application, we interviewed them. 
We sat in a room and interviewed them because we needed to know that Ambassador College students had the heartbeat of this house. And we would ask them several questions. And the last question was this. What if God told you to do something? You knew beyond a shadow of a doubt God told you to do this. You knew it. And you went to your pastor. And I would ask this question. Or Delane, but it was mainly me. And you went to your pastor and you told your pastor, God has told me to do this right now. And your pastor looked at you and said, I think it's awesome. I think it's great. But I think it's a little too fast. I think we need to pause because there might be more going on here than what you think. So I'm, I'm giving you the advice as your pastor to, yes, it's of God, but maybe not right now. What would you say and what would you do? Well, every student in the history of ambassadors that was interviewed that said these words. Well, I would submit to my pastor and I'd go home and pray about it. And I'd ask God, God, if this is really for now, please show my pastor because I need my pastor on board with me. Come on, are you, why is it so quiet in here? What, well, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about authority. I'm talking about what the power of a spiritual father is. I'm talking about are you really committed to the vision? Or are you just there as long as you get what you want? When you think you want it. Because the truth is, your spiritual father sometimes can see things that you can't see. Even though God spoke that to you. You ever got a word from God, but you didn't get the full word from God? You knew you heard from God, but later on you realized, I didn't get the full picture. One person looked at me in the history of ambassadors and said, well, I I'd do what God told me to do. I wouldn't worry about man. And y'all might not like this. This is what I said. Well, you're not going through ambassadors. Because your heart is not the heart of a servant. This ain't about me. Oh, I'm preaching better than y'all. A lot of y'all shouting right now. This ain't about me. This is about understanding what we're trying to do with this network and the kind of people we're trying to build to plant churches, and to change the world. This is a man of integrity who had two dreams by God saying everybody that you know is going to bow down to you. Every single person you know is under you and you're 17. And he just dealt with it. And said, God, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it. But I'm not going to destroy the leadership of my house. Woo, my God, I can feel some devils sticking me with pins right now. I mean, I'm literally feeling devil pins right now. Let me tell you something. Say this with me. One man of integrity and favor and anointing can change the world. It's true. Let me tell you something else. One man of no integrity and no anointing and demon-possessed can change the world. You can change the world when you are committed to your cause and you have people committed to your cause with you. Are you hearing me? In fact, you want to know the truth, you may want to write this down. Anytime God wanted to save the world or change the world, you look in Scripture, he always chose one man to do it. Now, he understood that that man was chosen to lead thousands and tens of thousands and even millions to do it. 
But he had to have a visionary. The children of Israel was in bondage and needed to come out of Egypt. But they had to have a voice. So God spoke to one man out of a burning bush. Are you hearing me? It was time for the mantle to be passed down from prophet to prophet. God speaks to one man in the cave and tells Elijah, get up and go find Elisha. One man. He may use an entire nation, but that nation is usually following one man, good or bad. See, the coat represented the dream. And when you got a dream and you got a coat that is validating that dream, it will cause you to stand out. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. See, you can't come into a room when everybody else just got on black, and you come into a room and you got a coat on that's made up of about 50 different colors. I mean, I don't care who you are, you walk into any room, including a church service, and you got on shiny silk patches of every color known to man on your jacket, and you just walk in, and you ain't, you ain't going to walk in like this if you're wearing that jacket. You're going to walk in like this. Morning. Praise the Lord. God is good. No, no. Humility won't let you walk like that. But I'm telling you, you walk in, people going to see that jacket. They either going to see that jacket, and, they, and the, the minority will think of it this way. Well, my God, God must be doing something in that brother's life. Or most people are going to be like, who do they think they are? You got to be full of yourself to wear something like that. But see, the, the coat represented the dream. And you got to wear the coat because it represents the dream. Because the dream was bigger than Joseph. It was, Joseph had the dream, but it wasn't Joseph's dream. It was God's provision for his people. Are y'all still, still mad at me about that whole thing about Ambassadors Network? Are y'all still with me? I mean, I could still feel some of y'all still mad at me on that. Want to get up and walk out right now. Let me tell you something about dreams, too. You better be careful who you tell them to. Huh? You better be careful who you tell them to. Because let me tell you something. You need dream catchers. You don't need dream snatchers. Huh? You need, you need some folks that, you, that will catch the dream with you, not steal the dream. Huh? You ever heard that movie, The Invasion of the Body Snatchers? I tell you what, I've been around, I've been in some folks, I've been in some groups where it was The Invasion of the Dream Snatchers. Huh? Be careful to only reveal your vision to dream catchers. Reveal your dream to dream catchers. If they don't catch your dream, help, help, and help you accomplish your dream, and they want to tra tear down your dream, don't waste your time. Love them. It ain't a coat of many colors, but here you go. I'm not giving that to you, by the way. I, I ain't got but one jacket left. Two. Thank you, Rhonda. See, when you go public with your vision, it's one thing for you to have a dream and a vision, and nobody knows about it. But when you go public with your vision, that's when the dream snatchers come out of the bushes. 
Oh, come on. I'm telling you right now, as long as we just stay down the middle of the road, stay sweet and innocent here in this church, and I don't preach on anything, any kind of controversial subject, oh, my God, I'm telling you right now, the whole world will love me and love us. But you start telling the truth, you start telling what the Word of God says, you start telling people that the Word of God says that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. You start telling them that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. You start telling them you don't get to heaven just by being good or going to church. you got to repent of your sins. You start telling people adultery is sin. My God, whether it's with two men or a woman and a man, if it's outside of marriage, it is sin. People don't like it. They want to shut you down. But guess what? That ain't my word. That ain't my vision for a family. That ain't my dream of what what was the family supposed to be like. That was God's. I just carry his dream and I just preach his vision. God's vision or dream for your life will always demand you To stand for something outside of your comfort zone. He's not going to give you a dream. And at the end of the dream, the interpretation is, stay the course, be safe. Don't do anything different. If God gives you a word or a vision, it's to take you somewhere else. It's to give you you favor, power, authority, anointing. To do what God has called you to do. Okay, so when you got favor on your life and I'm hurting... That clock right, man, I'm doing good. People will be jealous of God's favor on your life. You better prepare yourself, listen to me, for persecution when you are blessed. One of the greatest books I ever read in my life, it's out of print now. You can still find it in certain places, uh, sold on eBay, but it's not being produced new. was one of the first books that we had in Ambassadors College in that little white building in Trafford, Alabama. It's by a man named T.D. Jakes. You ever heard of him? Get ready, get ready, get ready. This was in the days when he was just beginning to be exposed across the nation long before where he is now. He wrote a book called Can You Stand to Be Blessed? It changed my life because I realized what the persecution I was going through at that time, what it meant. But it's because even though I was in that little white building, I didn't have but 20 or 30 people. I knew God's favor was on my life. I knew God had called me to do great things. Us to do great things. You hear me? There ain't nothing wrong with saying that. How many of those God's not called us to do lousy things? He's not called us to, yeah, I'm calling you to be a loser. I'm telling you right now, my anointing's on you to fail. Am I preaching right? Come on. So if God's anointing's on us, he wants us to be, do something great for him. He said the consequences of being blessed. I'd never thought about that. One of the things he talked about in there, he said, I used to have a group of prayer, prayer team members. When we were all struggling, when we were all trying to pay our light bill. Come on, somebody. I could, I could get on the phone and I could call that prayer chain. And, we, and, and in a moment, we'd all be pleading the blood of Jesus that, that the Jake's family could pay the power bill. And then when it come time for church altar service, we's all tarrying. You remember that word? Tarrying before the Lord. Could you not tarry one out? We was all professional tarriers back then. 
We, we lay there and weep and weep and lay and cry and weep and weep and lay and cry and weep and weep and weep. And, weep. and we, we, we had validation in our sorrowfulness and validation in our common struggles. It's easy to pray for somebody right next to you when, when they're struggling like you. When, they, when their cars broke down like you. But it's not so easy to connect in your prayer chain with your prayer partner when they pull up in a brand new SUV. And you're trying to figure out how they get that. I've been paying my tithes longer than them. I've been in church longer than them. They're going to roll up in that thing, and I'm still struggling? Uh Uh-uh, God, that don't play. And your prayer partners will turn on you. Check one. There are consequences to being blessed. A great prophet and philosopher once said, sitting in a car, looking over at a young man, son, with great power comes great responsibility. Some of y'all trying to figure out what that was. That was actually in Spider-Man. That was his uncle. Uncle Ben spoke to him and said, son, with great power comes great responsibility. Huh? He did not. And then he died. That's right. Then he died. Then he died. Bless his heart. With blessings. I want to say it this way. With blessings and favor come great responsibility. Are you prepared for the responsibility that will come on you? Tied to the favor. God doesn't give you favor for you. Huh? You think the favor is for you. God doesn't favor you for you. He favors you so you can be a blessing to others. Oh, preaching better, y'all shout. Listen what he told Abraham. He said, Abraham, I will bless you, and you shall be a blessing. You go read it in the original context. It says, I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing. So people look at the the anointing of God the same way they do the favor of God. They, oh, shut up. It's so strong in here. Lord, I used to be able to do that really easy. <laughs> that did not feel like the Haymarn days right then. <laughs> if, I, if I'm struggling getting up, that ain't the anointing making me drunk. That's 53. That's 53. I'm healed in the name of Jesus. These knees are popping like you wouldn't believe right now. That sounds like the floor is selling. That's my knees. Oh, Jesus, I feel goosebumps. I feel your presence. Oh, oh, I'm just going to lay here and be saturated. I'm just going to be saturated in your glory. I'm going to just, I'm going to soak for three hours. I'm going to speak in tongues for three hours. I'm going to soak. I'm going to soak up your presence. Soon as service is over with, going right back to the same person you were before the soaking. Huh? Huh? Wait a minute. Acts 1 8. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Stop. That's where everybody wants to stop. 
You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. How about this one? For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. Stop. Woo, Spirit of God's on me, he's anointed me. Wait a minute. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to open blinded eyes, to set the captive free, to cause the lame to walk. How about this one? You see all these things that I'm doing? I'm going to do them, and you're going to do them also. Woo, we're going to be anointed? No, you're not going to be just anointed. You're going to be anointed to do what I'm doing. Jesus didn't walk around going, y'all, y'all need to step back. Y'all, y'all don't even know who's in the, walking in this road. I done made all y'all. I, I just take a deep breath in and kill all of you. I breathe all of you into existence. I, I'm the one that stepped out on nothing, spoke to nothing, became something. You want to try to come up at me? You want to come up on me? Huh? Huh? What you, what you, priest? Pri- you, you, oh, you a priest? You a priest, huh? You a, you a big bad priest. Let me tell you who I am. I'm the priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. I'm the high priest. I'm the one that thought up the idea of a priest. The whole temple is about me. The Ark of the Covenant is about me. That veil is what I'm about to rip. You will come at me? Jesus could have done that. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus walked in humility and helped. The Bible said he was anointed to do good and went about healing all those who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. How about this one? You shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. In my name you will cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Am I preaching? Stop making the anointing about what you feel. The anointing is not about what you feel. The anointing is not about how a song is played. The anointing is not about your style of music. The anointing, oh my God, do you hear me? The anointing is not about how the preacher preaches. The anointing is the Holy Ghost. He'll move the way he wants to move. Will you move when he moves? I can't go to that church because he's white. I can't go to that church because they don't like my kind of music. On the flip side, I can't go to that church because he's black. They don't play my kind of music because all they want to do is play that kind of music, this kind of music. Why do we keep, listen, I ain't got no problem with you having a preference of a style. But when you come to whatever house God has connected you with, it ain't about the style of the music. It's about that we're in the presence of God together. I wish somebody would help me praise the Lord right now. I wish somebody lay aside that crap, that crap, 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 crap. I dare you to shout it ain't nothing but crap. Very glad that I, not, that I did not say what just came to my mind. Okay, I'm hurrying. One day he's going to visit and check on his brothers. This is what they say. Here comes the dreamer. Ooh, the dreamer. That's what they'll say about you. They won't say it to your face. 
But they'll say it to all their buddies when they see you coming. They'll, they'll have a look on their face like, praise the Lord, brother. Here comes that stinking dreamer. Y'all get ready. Everybody just brace yourself. He's going to come preach, talk, talk about what God's doing in his life. Everybody just, you know, just, just let's try to get through this. But I'm going to tell you something. At some point, the devil will get tired of hear, seeing the favor of God on your life, and he will try to kill you. He wants to take you out. You don't need to forget that the devil's main perspective is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It is, he is not happy just making you sad. He wants you dead. He wants you shut up. He wants you stopped. Especially if you know who you are in God. Mm. So they get ready to kill him. They're all about to kill him. Let me tell you something about favor will do. Favor will not only open doors. Favor will not only bless you, but favor will preserve you. Favor will cause people to think and do things that when it's over with, they'll go, what did I just do? They're all in the plan to kill him, and all of a sudden, something told one of them. You ever had somebody say, I was just in a situation, something just told me that I'm not supposed to do. Something just told them, listen, we don't need to kill him. Let's just fake his death. Because I, I got a plan how we can make everybody think he's dead. We can be done with this old dreamer, but we don't have to live with the fact and stand before God one day that we killed him. Let's throw him in this pit that's a trap for animals that he can't get out. Let's take that famous little pretty little coat he's got. Let's dip it in lamb's blood. Let's go back and tell his daddy that a lion killed him, maimed him. Let's, let's put some fake crocodile tears on. Let's put it on. Let's rub a little blood on us like we tried to protect him. And then we're done with him. But what they don't realize is that favor, you ain't going to like this, favor will throw you in a pit. While you think the devil threw you in a pit, favor threw you in the pit. Because while you in that pit rebuking the pit, the pit just saved your life. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. They threw him in a pit and walked off and left him for dead. But while the enemy's throwing you in a pit thinking they're leaving you for dead, favor will just happen to have somebody on their way by looking to buy a slave. You don't think of favor in slavery. That's not what I'm talking about, the actual slavery. But I'm talking about favor will pull. You know what pulled him out of the pit? These people who thought, they even thought, I'm, this, this boy belongs to me. Well, they didn't realize that boy belonged to God. And when somebody knows who they are in God, they can't nobody keep them down. Oh, I'm preaching better. Takes him in, sells him into slavery. Takes him into Egypt, the big city. That would be known as New York City. They brought him into the big city, put him up on the platform, selling him like common cattle. Demonic. You can't call that anything else than demonic. You can't. Nobody can own another human being. Nobody can sell another human being. That is demonic from the pits of hell and it always has been. I wish somebody shout amen. It's demonic. Let's call it what it is. It's not a mistake. It's a demonic sin from the pits of hell. But watch what favor would do. Favor 
will be in the midst of when all of that mess is going on will cause the right person to pick you out of a crowd. It's just something about that young man right there. I, I think he'd work good in my house. And the man happened to be named Potiphar, which was the right-hand man to Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world. He said, he'll work out good in my house. Let me tell you something. He, he, he got to wear, take showers. He got to wear nice clothes. He got to live in the, probably one of the nicest homes next to Pharaoh there was. And all his job was was to take care of Potiphar's wife. Make sure everything was cooked and the beds were made up and all that. But you know what? The devil is cunning. Listen, when a man of God or a woman of God has got favor on their life, and I've seen this happen with preachers over the years, God will bless them. They will, they will be promoted in the faith. And I'm telling you, when, when they begin to go on TV and begin to write books and become millionaires and, and everybody knows their names, I'm telling you, there's a Potiphar's wife waiting. There's a Potiphar's wife waiting. And Potiphar's wife is not waiting on the streets. Potiphar's wife is waiting in the church. Are y'all hearing me? He's in the church. He's, he's, he's serving. In, on, she's serving on staff. Well, nowadays it could be he too. They're serving on staff. Just looking for affirmation and a wink. And when you, get, when, you, when you take yourself away from understanding the favor of God is for a purpose and you think, begin to think it's about you. So it happened to David when he looked at Bathsheba. He began to think it's about you. You walk out of the favor of God and now you only are relying on what you are trying to generate in the favor of man. But remember, Joseph was a man of integrity. He worked hard. And let me tell you something, Potiphar, if you're the right-hand man of the Pharaoh, Potiphar's wife was probably not ugly. Guys, just be real with y'all. She's probably smoking hot. Huh? And let me tell you something. She wasn't just smoking hot. Can I just be graphic and real with you? Because this is in your Bible. Not be more graphic than your Bible. She had something in her for Joseph. She wanted him. The Bible said she, she began to try to seduce him. Because he's a good-looking boy. Huh? He worked out. He was in CrossFit. Do y'all know anybody that's in CrossFit? Any of y'all in CrossFit? Trust me, if they're in CrossFit, you know. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. If you're in CrossFit, it's okay. I'm just, I'm just messing. Now, so, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. She was just like, okay, today's the day. I'm tired of this flirting I've been trying to do. With I'm going to make it very real what I'm trying to do here. So he's in there making up the bed and all this. He's just tidying up. He's about to leave. She goes in there and she goes, okay, let's just be real. You and I both know what I've been trying to do here. Potiphar is away on business. It's just me and you. I've already shut the curtain because they didn't have a door. I've shut the curtain. <laughs> I was, all of a sudden, Pandora came on. Let's get it on. Oh, she's setting the music. She hits the button, candles dim. Strobe candle. And Joseph goes, uh, <laughs> this, this, uh, I'm just going to. 
appreciate you. Bless you. Bless you. Have a blessed day. No, 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 no. Don't you leave. Don't you leave. Do you not understand? Don't you leave. Uh, yeah, I understand. I understand. I understand. I understand. She comes. She starts. This is in your Bible. She starts running after him. He looks at her and goes, ah, no. Ah! He runs. And the Bible said as he runs, she grabs his clothes. And jerks his clothes off. Now, we don't know if he was butt naked or just in his underwear. But I can tell you right now, the Bible said he ran out with no clothes. And I'm going to tell you something. He's running through the street trying to hide. Not even slowing down. She realizes, I have just been utterly rejected. And the enemy sets a plan in motion and says... I've got his clothes. I'm standing in the bedroom. She screams for the help and security. They come in, and she, and she knows then he's not going to be with me, and I'm not going to be denied that way, so I'm taking him out. If he don't want me and he's not going to validate me, I'm taking him out. And she said, Joseph has just left, and I've grabbed him. He was fighting me. He was trying to rape me, and, and he almost raped me, but I was able to fight him off. Go get him. Potiphar comes home. Potiphar immediately loved. He loved Joseph before that moment. But watch this. I'm telling you, better watch out for false favor. Oh, you didn't hear me. God doesn't change his favor, but man will change his favor on a rumor. They'll listen to what somebody else said about you and not want to have anything to do with you without even listening to your side of the story. Huh? Let me tell you something. It happens to preachers more than anybody. People leave the church. Don't tell the preacher why they left the church, but it's not enough for them to leave the church. They got to leave the church and try to get some people to leave the church with them. Not even sit down and try to even ask, give the pastor even a, a moment to even answer a question. Three pastors in here said amen. The rest of y'all are like, what? Does that happen? I didn't know. Yeah, it happens. I've had people leave the church by a Facebook message that was that long. And by the time I read that long Facebook message, I was getting trying to, re to reply to him. It says, you have been blocked. I'm like, you're going you to rebuke me that long and then block me? You just have to just say, oh, well. So they threw him in prison. I'm hurrying. He never speaks against God. He never shakes his fist at God. He's, he's been Rejected, heard them say they, his own brothers wanted to kill him, watched his brother, brothers throw him into the pit and treat him like a common animal, sell him into slavery, have a woman lie upon him and commit him falsely of rape, causing him to be thrown in a prison. And if you are an, a Jewish man in a, an Egyptian prison, that's not good for you. But God's favor doesn't decide where it's going to stay on you. It's on you in the pit, and it's on you in the prison. Come on, y'all hear me. So while he was in the prison, he just was had a person of integrity. And he quickly, the favor of man quickly rose so quickly that the absolute jailer, the, the superintendent of the jail, gave him keys to the prison cells, to open prison cells and go in and feed the other fellow prisoners and then lock himself back in his cell and throw the key away. 
Who does that? But he had never forgot those dreams. I'm almost through. So, a couple of guys in the jail had some dreams. And he remembered that he was a dreamer. Let me tell you something Delane told me years ago, and it stuck with me. I don't know if he came up with this originally or if somebody else told him this, but whether I give him credit for it because he's the only one I've ever heard say this. And I have repeated it to multiple people because it seems true to me. I had a dream one time. I went to him and I said, what do you think this means? This was many, many years ago. And we talked about the dream and ended up understanding what it meant. But this is what he said to me. He said, Pastor, go back and read the Word of God and you'll find that God never had one of his godly men in Scripture need their dreams interpreted. Anytime God gave his people a dream, they knew what it meant right on or they got the meaning later. The ones that needed interpretation was the ones that were having dreams from God that were not living for God, and they needed to bring interpreters who were of God to come in and interpret the dream. So he said, so, Pastor, I am of the belief, I'll never get him saying this, if you wake up and you know that dream was from God, you don't need to go ask anybody what it means because God's going to give you the interpretation of that dream. And I've, I've seen that happen multiple times in my life. So as he's standing there, he hears those dreams. These are not godly men. He gives an interpretation. Quickly, the interpretation of the dream is that both of them are going to get out of prison. One of them is going to be restored to their former position, cupbearer. He's going to stand by the king. And he's going to live a long life. One of them is going to be restored to his position of being a baker or whatever, and a lie is going to be told him they're going to be executed and killed. So he tells them these dreams. Well, the one that got restored gets out of prison, and he's standing next to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh has a dream. Now listen to the key point. He has a dream, and he calls in all his soothsayers, all his magicians in, all his seers of Egyptian way in to interpret the dream. But God blocked them and would not even let them say the words, this is what the dream meant. They, he made them be honest and say, we don't know what that means. We have no idea what the interpretation means. The Bible says, watch this, this is key. Then Pharaoh dreamed again. And the second time he dreamed, a different type of dream, it was all about the famine, you know, it was about the, the wheat, the weak wheat rising up and eating the fat wheat and the, the cows, the weak, uh, anemic-looking cow rises up and eats the fat cows. And that was, of course, we know the interpretation was the preparation to prepare for the famine that was coming, right? That's the end of the story. If you don't know that story, that's the interpretation. But when he hears those two dreams, the cupbearer standing next to him and said, hey, I just remembered there is a guy, and we don't know how long it's been. Who knows how long it's been? These two guys that he gave the interpretation of the dream and watched them walk out of the prison, he's still there. He's just still living a life of integrity. He says, there's a guy down there that interpreted my dream, and exactly what he said would happen to me is happening. You need to go call him and get him out. I think he can interpret this dream. Now, watch what happens. When you know, this is the rest of the story. Finished. When you know that your dream is about to happen, and you know God, his favor has made the way to that moment, it's not a little thing to you. It's big. So the Bible said they came down to the prison and they told Joseph, Pharaoh has called you to interpret his dream. Now watch this. He has dreamed two dreams and he needs you to in interpret them. He's called you forward before him. 
The Bible says he didn't just run out of that prison. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. The Bible said before he left, go back and read your Bible. This is in your Bible. He took time to take a bath and shave and clean himself up. The Bible said he made himself presentable that would be worthy to stand in the presence of a king. See, when it is your moment, you make sure you are prepared for that moment. Don't just run into it. When you feel it, you take the time and you do the things that needs to be done so that when you walk through this, there's no regrets. He prepared himself for his moment. And when he stood before Pharaoh, Pharaoh told him the two dreams. This is the rest of the story. He said, oh, this is so awesome. Go back and look at it in Scripture. As he's standing before Pharaoh, the first words that come out of Joseph's mouth, is said, he says this. Because you have dreamed the dream twice, therefore it is of God. At that moment when he heard that he dreamed the same dream two different ways twice, it took his mind back to 17 years old. And he realized, I am standing right now at the absolute beginning of the fulfillment of my 17-year-old dream. And he says, because you have dreamed the dream twice, it is therefore of God. So do you know what I've done over the years? I've used that as a principle. That when I dream a dream, say at 1 o'clock and I wake up and I go back to sleep and at 3 or 4 o'clock sometime that night or the next night, I dream almost the same dream. The, when I realize that I have dreamed the dream twice, I wake up from that dream and I say, okay, God, I've dreamed this dream twice, therefore it is of God. What are you saying to me? It's a principle that Joseph established. When you dream the same dream twice, it means it's from God. So he interprets it, goes on, says, yeah, this is powerful. That's what I needed. So now I'm going to put you as my right hand. So not only does he get blessed, he takes Potiphar's position. How many know, ain't that just like God? The man that threw you into prison, you replace. He sets him in Potiphar's chair. He says, half of the king, up to half of the kingdom is yours. Anything you want is yours. Well, of course, he gets raised up. He becomes powerful. And then one day, and the famine happens, his brothers come. He tell, he, he, it's one of the most moving stories in Scripture. Every year in my Bible reading, when I read that story, I cry because he don't, they don't know it's him. They think he's actually dead. They don't recognize him. And he's giving them favor, and he looks down, and his brothers are bowed down to him, just like the dream. And the Bible says he stands up and he says, excuse me. This is in your Bible. He walks behind the curtain. The Bible says he wept bitterly because he could not handle it anymore. He walked back out and he said, I can't play this game anymore. Behold your brother Joseph. I'm alive and not dead. And the Bible said they ripped their clothes and they fell on their face and said, please do not kill us. Please do not kill us. He said, that ain't why I told you. This is why I dream what I dream. To keep us together. Is my father alive? Yes. He puts in a plan to get his brother and his father there. And they put him in a land called Goshen. And Pharaoh gives them anything they want. And they are blessed. 
They live through the famine when the whole world is dying. Listen, stay with me, pay attention. When the whole world is dying, God's people is, is thriving. When the plagues happen, later on in the story, all the plagues happened in Egypt. They didn't happen in, in Goshen right next door. The Lord calls it to rain wherever he wants it to rain. But now here's the rest of the story. I'm going to read this to you and I'm going to close. Because people don't preach this part. Genesis chapter 50. This is the end of Joseph's life. The rest of the story. So Joseph dwelt in Egypt. He and his father's household. And Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw Ephraim's children. To the third generation, he was able to see his great-grandchildren. The children of Maker, the son of Manasseh, were also brought upon Joseph's knees. Papa, Papa Joseph, 17-year-old dreamer, watching an entire nation preserved because of the dream that he had. Holding his little great-grandbaby up on his knee looking into his eyes and saying, God, thank you for helping me not to forget the dream. Joseph then said to his brothers, listen to me, to his brethren that were around him, the ones that tried to kill him that were still alive. He said, I am dying, but God will surely visit you, meaning this nation. One day he will bring you out of this land into the land in which he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you. And listen to this. And you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died. Being 110 years old, they embalmed him and he was put into a coffin in Egypt. He was embalmed. He was mummified because the Egyptian people considered him one of his own. Do you hear me? His body was preserved. So years and years and years went by. Here's the rest of the story. His body is mummified in a Pharaoh's tomb casket. Exodus 13, then it came to pass that when Pharaoh had, of course, the Bible goes on to say, let me back, back up and say, there arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph, and he began to persecute them. And, of course, you know Moses was called. Moses stood before and let my people go, and it went through ten plagues, and this is the tenth plague the Passover. Children of Israel finally coming out. Remember what Joseph said? Joseph said, surely God will visit you and he will bring you out. His life outlived his life. The moment that he sat on his deathbed was about to happen. Then it came to pass that when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and want to return to Egypt. So God led the people around the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up. This is what we'll just read right over if, we don't, if we're not careful. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks over the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. He lived a life that outlived his life. And I'm telling you, man, when they were carrying that coffin on their shoulders of a mummified man who had saved a nation, and they were walking out, 
over a million, close to two million people who had prospered and grew in that land of Goshen. The bones and the mummified body of a 17-year-old dreamer was still living on. That's legacy. That's the intention of favor. So the rest of Joseph's story wasn't just the pit, wasn't just the prison, wasn't just the palace. It was when he was brought out, he was still being used as a driving force to believe that God has his hand on this nation. I want you to know your story is still being written. Dream again. Dream again. Don't give up. That dream you had of your whole family being saved. I know what they're acting like. I know what they're doing. Dream again. Dream again. Well, I'm, 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 I'm too old to, to follow my dream. Nope, you're not. Dream again. Dream again. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for everything you've done today. We thank you, God, for people's lives being changed in this house. Right now, I feel like there's some people that need to dream again. It's still down in there somewhere deep, but they've shelved it so deep that it's even hard for them to even find a way to go get it. So, Lord, I'm asking you to do something for them. And I know I, I can't make you do this. I'm praying it for them. Causing, maybe causing them through this prayer to pray it over themselves. If they can't even remember the dream, if they can't even retell the dream, just let them dream again. Give it to them again. Maybe in a different way, just like you did the two dreams. Same meaning, reminding them that's you today and you need God to restore something in your life or maybe you're here today and you say the first dream that I have is I want to be right with God I want to give my life to God I got sin in my life but, but I, I want you to come we're going to pray that prayer but if you're here today and you need God to restore something that you feel like the enemy has taken from you I want you to come up here let me pray for you right now come on come on hallelujah oh thank you Jesus Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Is anybody else? See, I know the rest of my story is your story. There is no story of Larry without you. And there is no story of you without me. We're in this together. God has called us together for this moment. Is there anybody else? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for obeying the Lord, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Dream again. Restoration. Father God, right now, as these men and women have come forward and have stood, they represent so many different types of dreams and visions and purposes that they have declared over their life. No one knows except them what they've had to live through. No one knows what they've had to suffer through, what they have lost, 
what has been dropped and how many times they have been dropped and how many times they have been broken. But you do. And Lord, what a testimony it is that they chose to have the courage, the faith, to walk forward in this moment. To let the Word of God that was preached today become life in them. And let it, let it become the catalyst to cause them to have the faith to dream again. So, Lord, as I stretch my hands towards every one of them, God, I don't need to know what it is. You know what it is. God, I pray that right now they would begin to declare with your, their mouth, I have not lost my dream. I have not lost my purpose. It is not over. It is not done. God, you will restore unto me the joy of my salvation. You will restore to me the callings that are on my life for the gifts of the callings of God are without repentance. God, I declare in the name of Jesus that anointing, that praise, that prayer life, that joy, that peace, that ministry that God you had called them to, birthed them into. Maybe they've walked in it before and they're not walking in it now. Or maybe they've desired most of their life to walk in it, but the doors have not been opened. God, I pray, God, that this is the season for the doors to open. This is the season for a restoration of all things, God. I call this a restoration of all things. The new normal that the world keeps telling us is not what they're telling us. This new normal for us in this house is that, God, it's going to be normal for us to walk in favor, normal for us to walk in the callings that are on our lives, God. We thank you for this right now. God, I pray it. God, I don't even have to touch them. I don't have to lay hands on them. God, their faith, the answers of the Lord, I'm telling you, for those that are standing up here, the answers of the Lord to you, according to Scripture, is yes and amen. God has not caused this vision to die and dream. If there's breath in your body, the dream is still alive. So I'm telling you, in a place of peace, in a place of rest, in a place of isolation, in a place of where you've got to get away from the noise of this world, I'm telling you, God, it may be in a dream while you're sleeping. It may be just while you're just sort of daydreaming, looking out at the wall somewhere. It might be on a lawnmower. It might be while you're taking a shower. It might be whatever it is. There's going to be different places. God, you're going to begin to feel God rekindling that joy, rekindling. You're going to see it every day that goes by. It's going to become stronger and stronger and stronger. And you're going to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, the calling of God is not lifted from your life. The calling of God is as real on you right now as it has ever been. And, if there's, and probably at this moment, it's needed more than it's ever been needed. We give you praise for this right now in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. We rejoice. Can we give the Lord a praise or rejoice with those that have come forward? Thank you, Lord.